Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey guys, Perry here to tell you a little bit about Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service where you can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for your credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easiest and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, your Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hello, hello. On today's show, we are talking about the Joker officially getting an R rating. And then on top of that, we got some behind the scenes details on what exactly happened with Men in Black International. A little bit of a messy situation. So if you're into the behind the scenes details and you want a little bit of an understanding of how the studio works with a franchise, 
We've got some uh, juicy information over there, and we're going to break it all down today with two wonderful people. I am so excited to be sitting next to Jabby Koe and Mark Riley. Yay! Guys, Jabby, welcome back. Riley, I always feel like it's a good day in the studio when I get some of your time. Thank you so much. Well, it's always <laughs> fun being here. You're a hard worker. You're so busy all day. Oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> How are you doing, Jabby? I am doing fantastic. Just living life. You're wearing a you're wearing a mighty fine shirt today. We're gonna see why soon. More Breaking Bad all the time, please. (laughs) Always. All right. First story up today comes from an Instagram post from director Todd Phillips, who of course is directing the Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix, and he basically said that the Joker movie is indeed going to be R-rated. So now that the director himself has said it. Let's discuss it from two angles. First, just from a story perspective with who the Joker is and what you think his character arc might be in this specific movie, do you think this movie should be rated R? I think so. I remember watching The Dark Knight and that scene when the Joker's killing someone, the music hits this crescendo, and then it kind of cuts away, and I'm like, oh, it's because it's PG-13. And at that moment, I realized it'd be great to have a Joker standalone film that was rated R where you could really explore it in full detail. And I feel like making it PG-13 is like making a horror movie PG-13. Like, it's doable, yeah, but you know right away that it's less edgy Mm -hmm. going into it, you know. So that's my feeling on that. When you bring up horror, I get so mixed because... Yes, I always notice when something's rated PG-13 and cuts away just before you show, you know, too much skin or too much blood. But I also think sometimes, I'm not necessarily saying this is the case for the Joker, but sometimes with horror, working within the confines of a PG-13 rating forces the filmmaker to get more creative and find more unique ways to scare an audience than just going for the blood and guts. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, but... You know, it's all in the handling of the material and the director in question. I think Todd Phillips has been working in R-rated fare for most of his career. And if any character, to your point, deserves an R rating, it is the Joker. And we've seen it work on film box office-wise. Logan, Deadpool, this character, to your point, Jabby, I want to see the brutality of a Joker and what he might do because it's shocking to an audience. If you get all in there, gritty and vicious and gory for lack of a better term and you're there witnessing it in the audience that's a different feeling than cutting away and something artistic you know which can work and i've seen good horror movies where that does work but this is one of the most iconic characters in comics of all time and a lot of people are going to have um you know uh heath ledger sorry i couldn't pull his name uh heath ledger in their mind and um you know wanting to, to compare it but we have joaquin phoenix we have Todd Phillips, and I think that this is going to be different. And, and DC is branding themselves, saying, Worlds of DC, this is something that we're going to go for. And like I mentioned with Deadpool and Logan, we've seen it work. And so I want that. I want that. I want this Joker movie to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> Just like so weird, and the way it looks, it looks weird. Yeah. There's one set of scenes in particular that if you were to gimp it, it would feel like it's not being faithful enough to the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it gets really, really dark at a certain point. I'm like, you can't make that PG-13 and communicate it effectively to the audience. Here's my question, though. Dark how so? Because in what we were just discussing, it's like R-rated isn't strictly for blood and gore. There are so many other things that could warrant an R rating. So when you talk darkness, what exactly Sexually, do you mean? Sexually. Like, okay. it can get, it gets graphic at a certain point. It's like, 
-huh. it's hard to make the audience empathize with the character who's enduring the torture that he is mm -hmm. without showing all okay. that he's seeing. Plus, there's this idea of a lived-in world in the world that they're, that's going to be, I guess, Gotham City in, in this movie. Um, is that It's Gotham, right? I'm assuming it is. But in that world... Or if, like, I don't know if this is, like, some kind of origin story and then he moves to Gotham. But, no, there is that Arkham, Arkham thing. Thank you. Okay, Riley. Here we <laughs> go. Um, my point is the world that we live in here feels like if we're talking a Martin Scorsese movie, which a lot of people threw around, it's like the taxi driver yeah. in the Batman world. Um, people are cursing. And you can't – you can only use one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. But for characters to be in that world and they use that language because that's just part of their code, yeah. that feels lived into me. And so it doesn't have to be gore and blood. Mm -hmm. right. It can be just they curse like sailors because that's what they've been grown up in. There's a bunch of thugs and, and crooks and whatnot. So, yeah, wouldn't they be cursing a lot and this? So that could be warranting the, the R rating. It could be nudity. It could be blood and gore. But yeah put all that together, that's what I think a lot of fans would want to see. To what you're saying, I remember watching the first Batman film, Batman Begins, and they talked a lot about the issues with Gotham, mm -hmm. but they didn't really show you the issues with Gotham. Right. It was right, more right. like off-screen. And here, I feel like we could really see what the problems are on the ground level and yes. why we need a Batman to step in. Yeah, I agree know? with that. So the other, the other issue in play right now is what the R rating does for the movie's box office chances. Because you brought up Logan, I believe, already. So yeah. just to kind of like paint a little bit of a picture here. So Logan is a good comp, obviously. Logan opened up with $88.4 million, wound up making $619 million worldwide. There it is. Then we shift our focus to something like Venom, though, which actually has a similar release date to this one. It's fairly recent. And then it opened with $80.3 million, but then went on to make, went, went on to make uh, 855 worldwide. So the thing is, the second you go from an R rating to a PG-13 rating, you open your, your uh, viewership up to more people. So financially speaking, yeah. is the R rating the smart move? Mm -hmm. And does it, does it even matter to them considering this movie had a smaller budget? I think mm -hmm. that was also important to consider is the fact that this is not really a story that younger audiences might even be interested in because it's like a psychological thriller. You know, you're diving deep into this psychotic man's vision of the world and what he goes through. And I feel like that's not really a story that 13-year-olds might want to see anyhow. Yeah. You know, that's more of a mature-rated film, I think, just by its nature. And I think that was likely their intentions from the very beginning. I think that there is a reason this movie had a lower production budget than most of the other superhero movies we see. It's because it's a bolder, more daring movie in certain respects, and I think it was purposely budgeted with this R rating in mind so that no matter what happens at the box office, as far as the ratings effect goes... It's in the shape that they were kind of planning on. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the, the main point you just made, Perry, when you're talking Venom. You know, Venom, you can look, the Venom was PG-13, right? It wasn't mm -hmm. R. So, uh, you know, you're going to get some kids. And called for it to be R, and I can yeah, understand why, and but I they went PG-13 in the yeah, end. Yeah, the one thing missing from Venom, in my opinion, was him biting off people's heads, and we see it. And I want the guts everywhere and him cursing. But <laughs> of no, course that's beside you do. the point. Yeah. Um, I love my horror tell movies. Tell us more about Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about <laughs> chomping people's heads <laughs> off. Um, I, I just, for that, you know, budgeting it a little bit smaller, 
is to everybody already, you know, going in that deep dive of this character internally, um, psychological. Mm -hmm. And I love what you brought up about Gotham, showing that world from the ground level that we don't get to see when Batman's hanging on a skyscraper, overlooking everything. We're on the ground level. And I think because of the smaller budget and if we really, if it really hits like Logan did, I mean, I think that that counteracts the the budget because we're already at a smaller budget and we could see this thing really go crazy at the box office if it if it works well similar to logan we have someone in the live chat who wants another angle of this conversation ryan r wrote in if the joker movie is a success not only in terms of the box office but loved by critics and audiences as well will it have great oscar buzz including best actor i think so i think it's quite possible i mean we already saw what happened with heath ledger yeah you know i mean he won posthumously but but still i mean that gave a lot of I mean, that lent a lot of credit to the comic book films in general. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, wow, now it's being taken seriously now. And I feel like that could easily happen here. I'm right there with you on that. I think also just all the superhero movies that have been getting love at the Oscars overall over the past couple of years. I mean, even with, you know, even when something doesn't even get a nomination, like I believe the conversation was Deadpool could get a writing nomination and it never did. But the talk was so loud that I think all these things are going to add up and they're going to kind of change the course of the conversation as far as, you know, one superhero movies at the Oscars go and also the horror genre as well because you know this movie being rated R also gives it even more of a challenge to get in with the nominations but when you have someone like Joaquin Phoenix as well as the rest of the very impressive ensemble here involved I think that adds more clout to it that hey maybe Oscar voters and the changing Oscar voting body might be more open to this year yeah Yeah, and and I think we got that we got over that hump over the past couple years with a Logan nomination for Best Writing and then a Best Picture nomination for Black Panther, I think we have a different Academy set. And there is precedent set for an R-rated movie winning across the board in Silence of the Lambs, giving a Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Anthony Hopkins eating people's faces and getting an Oscar for it. I think that, you know, if the movie works, if it's so good and it captures the audience like a Silence of the Lambs, superhero movie aside, I think we could, this could really you know, pull some nominations. Wait, is it, is it a thing where rated R films have a harder time getting nominated or something Well, like I mean, that? I, the horror genre in general does. Okay. So yeah. it's like based on the conversation we're having right now with the darkness that we're gotcha. applying to the okay. story, when you add that to the fact that it's also a superhero movie, I feel yeah. like, you know, just the they things could, are piling up. Yeah. yeah, that could be something that, eh, it's, a, it's a comic book. It's a character that's like, and is he going to be despicable? You know, right. is he going to be do some really weird stuff in there? That turns off some Academy voters, but like I said, what we've seen over the past, well, I don't need those glasses anyways. Um, <laughs> what we've seen, worse than that. yeah, what we've seen over the past couple years is that, you know, the Oscar voters and the Academy, they're bringing in a lot of younger uh, talent. And so hopefully this trend of like, you know, that one story that came out, I didn't even watch Get Out. It's like, I hope those people go away, you know, wow. I hope they retire so that they can open up that these movies, like a Get Out even, like a Joker hopefully, are considered true and considered works of art and worthy of a nomination. Yeah, on that, like I feel like we're at the point where you can't ignore comic book films. Like all yeah, the top no grossing way. films, the billion dollar films are all comic book movies these days. And you've got these high caliber actors all the time. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, come Plus on. the quality of them. Yeah. I mean, a large 
majority, actually, now that I think about it. I feel like in recent years, we've seen almost every single superhero movie hit a certain bar, if not going above it. So it's about time they get recognized more often. All right. Story number two today is going to be the behind the scenes information on Men in Black International. But before we get there, we've got more content coming your way on Collider Video like Heroes. Check it out. Hi, I'm Amy Dallin, one of the hosts of Collider Heroes. And starting right now, you can catch our show at a new time and format. We're coming at you Tuesday nights with a new shorter Collider Heroes and a longer Collider Heroes podcast where Koi and I are going to talk your ears off. You already know that's coming. So make sure to go to YouTube, subscribe, and find us on the Collider Heroes podcast feed for all of that sweaty goodness. In addition to Collider Heroes, I am so excited to tell you guys that Collider.com's Dave Trumbor, he wrote a book. He co-authored a book. It's called Breaking Bad. It's called The Science of Breaking Bad. And that's just like one heck of an accomplishment. Dave, if you're watching, I'm so happy for you. And for everyone out there, if you're a big fan of Breaking Bad, I urge you to go on Amazon. Check it out. Another congratulations to you, Dave. All right. Story number two. This is Men in Black International. Brace yourselves. This is a mouthful, and I'm sure I'm going to jumble a lot of it up. I'll do my best, though. All right. So we obviously know the movie came out last week and, and did not do very well at the box office, especially when you consider how much it costs to make this movie. There's a piece on THR right now that details a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes drama that goes from script rewrites to clashing visions for what the movie should have been. Director F. Gary Gray nearly walked off the film multiple times. Mm. It all started in development because we, at that point we had the two different ideas. Do you reboot the franchise or do you do the 21 Jump Street crawl? Over. Apparently what happened is bringing back Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones proved to be more expensive and also not forward thinking enough. But then when they went over to the other idea, producer Neil Moritz refused to compromise on his first dollar pact. And when you add in all the other executives that are part of the other franchise as well, turned out to not be very cost effective either. So they went the other route. Then on top of that, it still continued. The vision, just in general, was still an issue because F. Gary Gray had a take on the movie and so did producer Walter F. Parks. And Parks had been with the franchise since the very, very beginning. They don't know what the two takes are, but they did say that the original script for the movie was edgier and more timely, tying the story into the immigration debate. An early villain for that movie was apparently a music group in the vein of the Beatles with four people merging into one baddie that actually Mm. sounds very interesting then in production issues continued scripts the script was changed almost daily and uh chris hemsworth and tessa thompson both got their own dialogue writers as further rewrites happen and then the report is also noting that parks looked to dictate rewrites even though the writers were on set for shooting and then on top of that he even stepped in to direct at points with f gary gray trying to exit the production multiple times one last little bit here even in post they tested both cuts of the film parks's cut is the one that won out and then thr goes on to cite sources who say that sony was mostly absent during all of these tensions leaving the decision making up to parks and f gary gray what what a mess I don't know where to begin here. So, Riley, what stands out to you with this whole report here? Making movies is hard, man. (laughs) That's yeah, that is a that's a report right there. Um, You know, what stands out to me is and this is just purely from a fan angle, is that I wonder what the box office would have looked like 
opening weekend at least um, with a 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover. I think that would have been just too enticing for me to miss because I love the 21 Jump Street um, what if franchise. It, what if it was PG-13? And if it was PG-13, yeah, that's tough. That's tough because we, it's, a, it's a great point. We talked about this on Collider Live this morning. 21 Jump Street, did, some of that appeal was the R rating. Yes. It was, it was the, you, you needed that. Yeah. When you bring those characters over and put them in the Men in Black universe, which is uh, a little bit more family-friendly, yeah. um, you're going to have to get that PG-13. So it goes back to our previous conversation. I think they could have done it because you cut down on the on the language right. and you don't necessarily the go, there there was no gore and uh, it was just the language and there the, was there the, was gore the, there, there was, there was a gore a little bit yeah, of it, yeah. Was, especially at the end of the first film it was it, right. it, it, it got that's gory right. it got a little bit yeah. gory that's right so it it's hard to to say this is this is something where it's it's a fan speaking right now but i can understand maybe that was internally them talking about it as well the pg13 versus an r rating and people not wanting to do it and it just didn't work in their head i wouldn't be surprised if that was something that was at least discussed or yeah. at least i would hope that be something that was discussed because the more i read and reread this report it does seem like some of the bigger issues are strictly the higher ups yeah i mean especially when you consider the fact that like and i I do i know i talk about this all the time i want creativity and artistry above money and it's a business i do get that but it's very unfortunate that part of the reason why we couldn't get this really interesting crossover which had me way more excited than a straightforward reboot or continuation of men in black is because a whole bunch of people with first dollar packs couldn't get all their money out of the film's gross in the end like that sucks that 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 sucks if you are just swinging around all that creative power and strictly using it to gobble up all the money you can like we're just gonna stifle all the opportunities this industry and these studios have to offer before we know it Mm -hmm. what's tommy lee jones up to why was it too expensive to bring him back? I'm just curious. Like, he probably had something in his deal uh, for sequels. Yeah. And oh, for, okay. for staying in the franchise. I would you imagine know? something like that would have come into play. And also, I don't Maybe, maybe he's just, you know, choosing the roles he jumps into, especially with a big, you know, production that probably would have taken a lot out of him. I'm sure he had to put the time and thought into whether or not it was worth it. And would right. they even want to come back? I right. mean, that could be another thing if it's not well, in their deal. the third deal. one wasn't well received, third so one wasn't I imagine well received. that didn't make it so enticing to come back. I thought yeah. the third one was better than the second one. Third one's better yeah. than the second one, uh, yeah, uh, for sure. But to that notion of having their own dialogue writers, that's not out of the ordinary. Will Smith has his own dialogue writer yeah. all the time, too, because he has a very, you know, Will Smith way of talking, mm-hmm. and he has a specific writer, as far as I know, that helps, you know, to craft the script more towards uh, his, voice. his mannerism, his voice, you know, yeah. and whatnot. So that doesn't surprise me at all, as long as it's in line with the story still. That's not a negative against the movie. Yeah, I think the part of that that stands out to me more is the idea. And, and again, it's actually worth pointing out right now that... These sources are the Hollywood reporters' sources. These are individuals that work for the production. So it's like every single thing they say might not be, you know, like tonally the way it happened on set or 100% accurate. So just keep that in mind now. But THR usually does a great job with these types of pieces. So I'm sure these sources were accurate to them. But they're individuals that had a lot of passion probably and put a lot of time and energy into a production like this. And things can get heated. But the part where it says... Says, you know, uh, Parks is is dictating things to the writer. I mean, the word dictate feels very specifically chosen. And that, like, why do you have the writers on there if the producer is walking around dictating dialogue? Yeah, it reminds me of when, um, what's his, uh, John Peters 
on the Superman reboot wanted dictated that they put in a s- giant spider for sp- for Superman to fight at the end of the movie and then at one point wanted to take away his ability to fly and give him a jetpack so they could sell toys you know that just seems to me that it's like <laughs> wow. that you just not getting the source material and be more introduced like you get a thought in your head late at night and then you're married to that idea and you want to make that happen plus with the money thing so it's taken away a lot of creative freedoms but this just behind the scenes sounds like a giant mess and the I, idea I, of the story having tapped into uh, the immigration debate sounds like such an interesting route to have taken. And even the idea of a group like the Beatles, where all four of them merge into one, that just sounds so much more interesting than kind of like this. And again, I teeter just positive on this. I enjoyed sitting back, relaxing, and watching all the action unfold. But sure. that sounds like like a much more interesting movie than what we got. That's what, that's what I wanted out of Ultron, Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unite into one big baddie. That would have been cool. That would have been great. Yeah. I mean, I, the whole Men in Black series is essentially about that. You know, there's a governing, you know, shadowy organization that makes sure that we only let in the right people right. into our world. That's been the underlying story from day one. So if they embraced that and went a little deeper, maybe that would have had something more to say, but I think Sony probably wants to keep away from that. But at the same point, you're telling me that they were pretty hands-off and let Parks and, and uh, F. Gary Gray mm-hmm. figure it out internally, which is, that sounds like there might have been a lot of shouting matches in the editing bay. That's one of my biggest takeaways right now, especially when even yesterday we brought this up. How does uh, the way that this movie pan pan out make you feel about another reboot like Charlie's Angels? I'm just hoping that this was, you know, an anomaly at Sony and that, you know, the executives are just like some sort of oversight is happening to make sure everybody is playing nice. Yeah. But what really sticks out to me, though, even with this report, you know, this movie opened, what, 28 million? And I'm wondering about the general audience. They're not necessarily looking at critics or Rotten Tomato scores. They just want to go see a movie. If they like it, they're going to go see the movie. Nobody had seen this thing. So if this thing opened at like 50 million, maybe, you know, then, the, you know, I, w- I would believe that there is still an appetite for a men in black. But I think it's like from the marketing, we kind of seen these movies before. I mean, it look, just looked like, you know, men in black. There was nothing new um, being offered to. I think the audience really wasn't into a men in black international movie because the numbers show. I'm just going straight off the numbers. If it opened high um, and then fell off completely the second week, then I could go, oh, the, the audience didn't like yeah. it, and the word of mouth is spreading, and then this report comes out, and you're like, oh, yeah, no wonder, because it was a, a mismatch well, of stuff. Well, that's going to happen this it's, weekend it's, it's, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's going to be bad. It's interesting you're saying that people just weren't interested, because it seems like the, whole, the only reason why Sony wouldn't be more hands-on is because of an assumption about the brand IP strength. Correct, Like, yeah. it's going to make money anyway, so you guys have your creative differences and whatnot. We'll just, like, fumble our way through the production of this, because it's going to make money no I'll matter what. You. That's been the theme of the summer with really, you know, I think the only one that's going to buck that trend now is what we have coming our way this weekend in Toy Story 4. But, you know, we had this underperform, Godzilla underperformed. There's something else escaping my mind right now that underperformed. I can't believe Godzilla underperformed. That's a good movie. Yeah, Yeah, I don't don't think Godzilla suffered from the same sort of creative differences at all. No, no, no. I'm not not aligning it with, like, behind-the-scenes problems. I just mean more so, like, I guess you can kind of call it franchise fatigue. Like these franchises that are coming back that, 
it just feels like the the buzz and the excitement for the return of it isn't what you would think it would be because studios notoriously lean on the built-in audiences with all these popular franchises and things like that and you just expect it to deliver and right now we're seeing one test case after the other where it's not right maybe they waited too long yeah, could that be could the case. Be. I mean, Men in Black had a whole cartoon series for a while. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I always bring up. <laughs> I like, can't believe you watched that. Uh, Ju- Justin Kroll did did this, I, I believe, twice on Twitter, and that's when Dark Phoenix opens. He's like, he mentions Hugh Jackman not being a part of that movie as perhaps some reason why there's there's not more people turning out to see it. And he mentioned the same thing about Will Smith not mm-hmm. being a part of Men in Black International. I don't know. It's like you. It's like this debate going on now, chicken or the egg, is it the franchise or the actor, you know, that, that's going to put butts in the seats. You know and I what think I mostly think? it's franchises. It just comes down to a good movie. Yep. Franchise, Boom. original, big budget, small budget. You make a good movie. Focus on story. That's you're rewarded eventually be, for yeah. it. You got to <laughs> do you're the story. You're rewarded whether you're rewarded opening weekend, whether you're rewarded long term, whether you're rewarded just with a really good item on your resume that people will talk about and think highly of you for. So you know what? Just make a movie. All right, yep. let's get one live chat question in the mix before we have to say goodbye because I'm getting a kick out of this one. Rick Morris is asking us. So we can't end on a downer. What is your Spice Girl name? For example, Positive Spice and Negative Spice. So the reason we're going Spice Girls right now is because I hope you guys have all watched the trailer for the boys because that was an A-plus use of Spice Girls. Oh, my God. Uh, I guess that was a great, the great piece. I love that trailer. Can I be Dewey Spice? Dewey Spice? Yeah. 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 Mine, would, mine would be Deep Spice. Deep spice. <laughs> it sounds like the, the the spice you find on the planet Acris and Dune. It's like that deep in there. You get it. Can I be super spice? I was thinking super spice initially, but super I was spice. like, yeah, I don't know, know. like yeah. Superman, super spice. I feel like you'd be super spice or Jedi spice. Jedi spice yeah. works too. Okay. Super spice because it's like, you know, I'm super spicy. And, and uh, uh, Makuga could be scaredy spice scaredy after today. Spi- <laughs> <laughs> Go check out Collider Live for that yeah, reaction really. of Josh Makuga getting uh, the Us Blu-ray hand delivered to him by one <laughs> of the you, tethered. Wendy videoed me getting my delivery. And do you know how boring that was compared to his reaction? Of course. Yeah. I know. I know. You're like, what oh, you thank you. Me? Josh Makuga <laughs> screamed bloody murder and hid in the corner. Well, like, thank you. Can I run over and put my arm around you for a photo? <laughs> That's how things go here. All right. We're done for the day. Thank wow. you so much for watching. And guys, Jabby, Mark Riley, thank you for being here. Please both come back to the desk sometime soon. Big thanks to Cody helping out there in the booth today. Yeah, and Cody. also Jack for manning the live chat. Everybody out there, please don't forget how much it would help us out for you to like and share this episode of Movie Talk and spread the word. We are on YouTube and in podcast form as well. And then don't forget, tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live for a brand new episode. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to hear something amazing? 
Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.